so you know, Phil, uh, I think it's safe to say that I probably watch more movies than you have. Uh, I would say that's reasonable. Yes. yes, in general, I watch more movies than you. Uh, this past week, with you know the Oscar stuff, I made it. I made it the point to watch as many of the Oscar nominees as I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and I did. I watched all but three, and the three is not because of lack of time; it's because of lack of interest. Okay, so which three other? Than, I mean, I understand Avatar is one of them you didn't watch. So what were the other two? So let's let's go through all of them real quick because this okay. is real timely for us to do this two weeks after it. But like everything, everywhere it was, I saw anyway when it when it when it was released. Mm-hmm. Talk on Maverick, I saw anyway. Saw it twice actually. Uh, Partially because of how good it was, but more because there was a heat wave and seeing it a second time was a way to get out a kid to a place for air conditioning. Mm. I mean, it's also the greatest, one of the greatest live action mecha movies um, I've seen. So yes, yeah. Continue. Let's see. Uh, Fablemans was actually I saw that Steven Spielberg movie. It was you know it was I was actually pretty lukewarm until the ending. The ending I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Triangle Sadness. I watched as soon as it came out on Hulu. Which was really good. It was oh. very, very good. Okay. Um, Tar, I also saw because after it came back to theaters after the nominees, nominations came out. Also very, very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Banshees in the Sharon, which is on HBO Max, I made sure to see it the Saturday before the Oscars. Also very good. Um, but yes, I skipped Avatar because I have no interest in watching it. I. S- uh, I skip Elvis because I have no interest. I don't like musicals, <laughs> and I, I don't particularly like that director. Women talking, I skip. I might, I might go see it eventually when it gets to streaming. It did win best adapted screenplay. Wait, which one? Women talking. Oh yeah, because it's on. It's on Prime. Oh, okay, well, sure. Uh, but I do want to say, despite the fact that you know I have my figure on the pulse of culture. And, uh, you know, this this work very hard to broaden my her- artistic horizons and media art consumption. I'm ashamed to say that there is one film you've seen, Phil, that I have not seen. Mm-hmm. And I have made no effort to see. It's uh, a movie star directed by Josh Trank, released by Fox Pictures, called Fantastic Four. Uh, A.K.A. Fan Four Stick, as you sometimes call it. Yes, fan four stick. God, what a terrible, terrible movie. To sum up for our listeners, give us give us your your thoughtful review and critique of 2015 20th Century Fox's Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Sure. So uh, the movie starts off like any origin story, right? We see Reed Richards and his best friend uh, Ben Grimm in the garage working on a science project. Um. Later on, we get to meet uh, Sue Storm and Johnny Storm's dad. Uh, see the project. They're like, hey, you're good. Come over to the Baxter building and we'll give you all the monies. And that's essentially what he did. Uh, ex- continue to do an experiment. Meets Victor Von Doom. Uh, but Doom, I think, was spelled with uh, like an E or some nonsense. Oh, some crap. <laughs> that's, that's lame. Is yeah. that, that Dome? Dome at that point? It was like because it was like double double O M E, but the, like the E is silent. So it was some crap. It was like 
I don't know. This is God. That was so long ago. But like they ended up going to essentially what was the the negative then the, uh, the uh, negative zone, and they, when they first reached there, they ended up getting powers. Right? Um, Doom uh, had like electricity nonsense. Which uh, the more I think about it, the more I read comics, the more I'm like, yo, this doesn't make any sense. Why did he keep giving this man electricity powers? Um, <laughs> right, because the, the first Fantastic Four movie had electricity powers, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, ben Grimm became a pile of rocks. Uh, Sue Storm kept disappearing. Uh, Reed started to stretch, and uh, Johnny spontaneously combust. Uh, but then, as they started to grow and start to learn their powers, like the movie starts to get interesting. You're like, oh snap! What are they going to do next? And it immediately jump cuts to some nonsense of them using Ben Grimm as a weapon in the U.S. military. Um, Doom has gone crazy uh, and wants to go back to the negative zone. And he's doing a sky beam that will essentially collapse <laughs> both universe. I mean, yeah, both universe. So they have to go in and stop him. And it was the most boring superhero movie I've ever seen. Uh... That is, and that includes everything up to today, like Batman v Superman and Justice League, and I mean some of the weaker yeah. some of the weaker Marvel movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, like no, like those, like those I can I can I can actually watch and entertain, and I'm of like one of the very few people who actually enjoyed Batman v Superman, so because I just looked at it as like uh, a child playing with toys, um, but yeah, no. This is your kid's Fantastic Four movie, right? Oh, yeah, no, this, this, this is, honestly, this is nobody's Fantastic Four movie. I don't know whose Fantastic Four movie is this. Is. Matter of fact, this is the executive's Fantastic Four movie because it's so bad. For those who don't know about it, you should go look up on YouTube. Like, there's, there's a bunch of documentaries about the production behind it, which is more fascinating than the movie. <laughs> it's almost like, it's like Apocalypse Now level of of like absurdity of like everything that went wrong behind the scenes went wrong but the thing about apocalypse now had like you know he had a heart attack like people had heart attacks there was like you know unstable government using their their you know helicopters for the movie there was factors beyond their control fantastic mm-hmm. four it's just the director was an asshole <laughs> uh and some executive mentally but that's mainly to like save the movie because he's an asshole uh, funny enough, I mentioned I mentioned some of the Oscar nominees. So, directed by Josh Trank, have you not seen Chronicle? Before? I have seen Chronicle. Did you see it before Fantastic Four? Oh yeah. Did you thought? Did you like Chronicle? And did you think? I it did. Was gonna I, be, you think it's gonna I be did good enjoy because, Chronicle. And did you did it lead you to think it's going to be good? <laughs> yes, actually, I was like, oh snap! You know, because Chronicle is is like a superhero story, right? Done on a budget, kind of kind of gave me like Cloverfield vibes. At least the first one, anyways. And I mean, I actually enjoyed it. So I was like, oh, snap. So he's going to be giving Fantastic Four. This should be interesting. I wonder how they're going to do it. Maybe not use freaking Von Doom in every stinking story. But, you know, that, that he's the most recognizable villain. So. All right. Uh. Yes. Miles Teller as Reed Richards, who is actually a pretty good actor. He's in good movies. Uh, like the aforementioned Oscar nominated. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick. He played Reed Richards. I'm assuming he's kind of a douchebag. You know, Reed Richards is not supposed to be a douchebag. 
Yeah. I mean, well... Or you, it's one of those games like he just doesn't have enough to do <laughs> to leave it fresh so he doesn't leave it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. See, but that, I think that's the most interesting thing, though, because I feel like if Reed Richards were to, uh, like, be left to his own devices and then become a family man, he would be the worst human on Earth. Uh, does he, does he stretch? Does he still stretch in the movie? Yes, he did still stretch in the movie. Okay, at least I got that right. Yeah, Kate Mara, Sea Storm, which I know from uh, House of Cards and mm. some other very forgettable TV shows she's in. Uh, Jamie Bell is Ben Grimm. No idea who he, I have no idea who he is. I, he's, I guess he's been, he's somewhat famous, but I've never seen anything he's in. Uh, I just know him as the ex-wife for uh, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, <laughs> ex-husband, 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 and of course Michael V. Jordan, right. who was like, "Oh my God, it's Wallace!" You know, from The Wire. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is a movie that like oh, that would have killed his career had he not luckily enough followed up a Creed. <laughs> That's true. And, and, and Fruitvale Station. And Fruitvale Station. And, no, and, no, Fruitvale Station was before Fan, uh, Fan Four Stick. Uh, I think it was only like right before, though. Yes. And and then, you know, and then later cemented him with Black Panther, luckily. Yes. <laughs> well, see, I hear the only thing, he's pretty much the only good thing about the movie. Yes, he he is, he, he is a very phenomenal actor. Because, like, you know, when you think of Johnny, he's like this playful annoying guy who throws fireballs and that's what michael b jordan did but also johnny's a genius which is not like the, which is not comic accurate so i don't know unless i don't know in uh, in ultimate fantastic four is he a genius no he's even more of like a <laughs> stupid stupid airheaded guy to illustrate just how dumb ultimate johnny storm is they're like they're on, like, this operation to, like, get Namor out of the ocean. This is the introduction of Namor. They're all... Everyone has, like, doing crazy scientific stuff. You know what Johnny Storm is doing? He's watching porn on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> and he has a really awful haircut. It's so much of Ultimate Fantastic Four. Uh, isn't it just, like, a spiky blonde with, like, white tips or some nonsense? No, they eventually... Like, eventually they give him, like, this ugly, like... These ugly curly hair... Curls? Uh-huh. And it looks so awful, makes him more douchey. And it becomes kind of the big fun of it when Zombie, the Zombie Fantastic Four show up. And Zombie <laughs> Human Torch is like, I'm gonna burn that I'm gonna burn that fuck that ugly haircut off his head. Oh my gosh. But it's um it's actually a decent read, you know, for what it was. Also a Fantastic Four. But um you know, if you if you like Fantastic you like Fan Four Stick, I don't know if you if you, I don't know if you do. I don't know anyone who does like that movie. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. You're gonna you're gonna love this episode what we're talking about. And if you hated that movie and like the Fantastic Four, you'll like what we're talking about even more. <laughs> oh gosh, that whew. gymnastics in that one. I mean it was there, but like it was kinda it was kinda hard. It was kinda hard. Well, you know, whatever. I just somebody has to Somebody, you're the only person I know who watched that movie, so I need, somebody, needs to, somebody needs to know about it. But we're continuing our Jonathan Hickman multi-part uh, retrospective, uh, and you know, we're in this, the Marvel phase of his career, and if you made a guess from our segue, we're going to be talking about his run on Fantastic Four. Uh, this was where the run... I read a little bit of Fantastic Four before, but this is the one that's like, oh, I actually like the Fantastic Four now. 
as, as like a group of characters as like a concept. Right. And he worked on I'm gonna say it's like Fantastic Four like five eighty something to like six hundred something. And then yeah. for people who wanna follow it, like during his run, it gets retitled and rebranded for a short while as FF which uh in in the universe in the story stands for Future Foundation, but it's still obviously Fantastic Four. And that's when uh spoiler alert for <laughs> a comic that came out almost ten years ago that I'm sure most people did not actually read. Yeah. Uh Johnny 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 Storm, the Human Torch, gets killed off, and Spider-Man takes his place, hence why they rebranded to FF. Yes, because uh, after that, and they reached out to Spider-Man, he uh, insensitively comes to the Baxter building in a Fantastic Four outfit, and they're like, come on, guy, too soon, <laughs> too soon, which I, I honestly I always thought was hilarious. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of like, actual good moments like that compared to a lot of his other... Marvel work. So, um, I'm curious, Phil. So, I read this. This is at the height of me most into mainstream comics and most of the Hickman, so I was reading, like, a bunch of this stuff. So, I was reading it as it was ongoing. What mm-hmm. was... When did you pick up Hickman's Fantastic Four? Uh, this was... right when his Avengers had came out. Um, because I remember I had to do a paper on a current comic... Uh, issue that was out so I bought Avengers uh, when Hickman started to write it and I needed uh, another comic that he's written as like a comparison to see like how he's like elevated the game if you will so I had to read uh, Fantastic, uh, not Fantastic Four I had to read uh, Future Foundation um, in order to back up those claims mm, okay uh, that's that's kind of rad <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of rad that you got to write a paper on Fantastic Four for for college. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as we talked about before, something that was brought up that, like, you know, one one recurring thing about Hickman, and some people would say it's uh, a weakness of his, is that he's not really interested in writing characters. Right. right? And a lot of characters sound kind of the same. They're just decorations of, of you know, grand majestic action or some science philosophy or sociology mm-hmm. and some people say he's actually better in doing marvel work because he you you because you're working with established characters that have established voices you can you, you know he, he kind of has to actually get into that wheelhouse mm-hmm. um i feel that's very strong in the case of fantastic four when i was rereading this I was actually really enjoying it more than I have previously because I feel like this is more of Hickman. It's like the the sentimental side of him comes out, you know. <laughs> like like this is he's he's writing characters that have a heart, right? These are characters who are fundamentally good and not dicks or not messed up, you know. Um, right. And the thing is that for people who don't know, Hickman is himself married with children, uh, so I think a lot of, a lot of I feel like that really informed his experiences in writing the Fantastic Four because if you were to set off the fan- the thing that's supposed to the draw the Fantastic Four, I would argue is two things. It's a crazy science, right, compared to your other Marvel titles, but also that right. this is this is a family, right? It's very specifically on a close knit family dynamic of you know mm. you got 
you know, father, mother, depending on your point of view, two uncles or two overgrown children, and then kind of the actual children. The actual um, children. Of Reed Richard, the Sue Storm, which I think people who don't read comics don't even know they exist. Yeah, because, um, I mean, honestly, I tend to forget they exist, to be honest. Yeah, Valeria and Franklin Richards. Yeah. Um, and this is where, because of that, I think Hickman kind of leads into, like, his more softer side and and his experiences being a parent and, and you know, being married. It forms the way he writes these characters. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I kind of like, I kind of dug it. It's kind of what we saw in S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Now it's like Hickman is most optimistic as well as idealistic. And I think there's a very similar, kind of the lighter side of Hickman here on display of Fantastic Four. What did, what did you think? What was your first impressions? Uh, so first impression was that, gosh, I guess I shouldn't say first impressions because I'm rereading it again. But on my reread, I realized that because we understand or at least have an understanding that Fantastic Four is like crazy science stuff that the crazy science stuff that gets introduced feels normal. So like the high concepts that Hickman is uh, showing to us, the audience um, via dialogue and action and stuff like that uh, aren't far fetched or doesn't really need time to ruminate in uh, compared to like his creator owned works simply because we know it's like, Oh snap, Reed Richard did something. He did something he wasn't supposed to do. Oh snap! That darn Valerie kid. Uh, I mean Valeria kid. She's always she's always getting up to trouble and her strange obsession with her uncle Von Doom. Um, so it's just you know I felt like it fit more natural in terms of like working out those uh, concepts. And I feel like especially uh, Future Foundation was like a precursor to uh, his Avengers run and into Secret Wars because of the idea of building a machine to destroy worlds. Uh, you know, for the greater good, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and I think we can we can go about that and probably the dissection of of the arc. So, uh, in Fantastic Four, it starts off kind of fairly normal. Fantastic Four, right? It's just kind of introducing like here here's the family in action, right? They all do their various things, and of course, it's kind of the great homage to mm. the beginning of Fantastic Four. It's the Mole Man shows up, <laughs> right, and, and his mole. People, for those who don't know, that's like the very first issue of Fantastic Four. The first enemy they were fighting is is, is Mole Man. Yeah, Mole Man. <laughs> not not the same as the Simpsons character, but someone based off of him. He's like a guy who rules over a bunch of underground monsters. <laughs> yes, uh, the what is it? Moloids. Moloids. Yeah. Moloids. Yeah. Yeah, and there's kind of these like humanoid Morlock type of things. But except, yeah. except they all wear his like really weird glasses. <laughs> but what's kind of it, like it starts off kind of like typical Fantastic Four, like all right, you know, here's the characters we know and their usual dynamics, and then the crazy, the slowly Hickman stuff is the way he reinvents sort of the mo- the Moloids and the and the civilization, right? It's like he just at, built on that, makes it into like an actual complex society, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, with like oh, there's like uh, the. And this is where I think Hickman is so suited for the Fantastic Four that he gets to pull in all the crazy weird science in the Marvel Universe and brings them into this book. So there's like a character called the High Evolutionary, which people are going to be more familiar with from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, but like he left behind a city that's like has a weird like de-evolution radiation 
right? But on the mole people, it works the opposite. It makes them smarter. Makes them smarter. Yeah. But then because of that, they're outcasts, right? Uh. So the Fantastic Four has to intervene in that in that, uh, that situation. It kind of, the, the first arcs, right? They're fairly standalone arcs, right? Mm. It's just like, hey, look, the Fantastic Four are running into crazy weird science, right? There's like these... He's like new inhumans, right? There's like, they're more inhuman than the inhumans we know, right? Because there's like one that looks like a horse. There's one that's kind of fishy, you know, like these inhuman subspecies. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like, uh, they come across, you know, another group of Atlanteans, but they don't look like Namor or like blue humans. They look like actual fish people. No. And it's, um, eventually, as you move on, all these, uh, and then of course the really big thing, I almost forgot the really big thing that I think this is what Hickman invented. I don't think it it existed before him was that Reed Richards runs into the Council of Reeds, which is like all these other Reed Richards across the multiverse uh, that are like kind of come together to solve problems. And then he realizes that, oh, they're not really, they don't have any of like his heroic ethics or altruism. Right. Uh, And then as you go on these arcs, these, these, at first they come, they, they come off as just like standalone arcs of like weird science, right? And they eventually come together and just like tap this, uh, connected story arc that Hickman is building too, which is like, um, you know, the annihilate, the negative zone, the, all the bugs that live there. I, I don't really know a lot about Annihilus, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about Annihilus So they eventually come to invade, you know, Earth. But what's cool is that there's a cult on Earth that washes them, and they're using Hickman's symbol. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, the circle with the with the line in it. Yeah, the hyphen, which you saw all the way from Nightly News. That's, like, his personal branding. Yeah. Um, so, and... The thing that... So, you know, a lot of the usual Hickman stuff is on display here, right? Crazy science, you know, that's loosely based on, like, real stuff, but, like, it gets to pull him here. But what really caught me off guard... And especially, you see that's very apparent with the Council of Reeds, is that mm. he actually is actually pretty good at writing these, like, uh, a layer of sentimentality to all these characters. Yes, I completely agree with that. And I think the most interesting part about this is that he's writing multiple reads, but they all feel like unique characters rather than just, like, uh, some weird hive mind. They all have like little personality quirks, and um, <clears throat> you know, especially doing this whole retrospective on like uh, Jonathan Hickman, it really got me to look at um, writing at a much closer lens. So, like seeing like the little uh, inflections that he does in order to <clears throat> really differentiate the different voices of the different reads overall, I thought it was just really, really cool. Yeah, and a lot of them, a lot of these reads only exist. They're only there for like a couple pages, because you know there's a big, there's only disasters. A lot of them died. All of them have to like sacrifice themselves, and it's like very short bit of personality. Um, you know, they still kind of talk the way like Hickman writes characters, but you do get uh, this this first arc with anything that's illustrated. Because before this, I never cared about the Fantastic Forest characters. You know, <laughs> other than like the thing a little bit, right? Yeah, the thing is probably the character that I think readers and the, identify the, with the most. Yeah, right. Because he's he's the one that doesn't like who he's the one that doesn't like who he is the way he is. He wants to be normal. He wants to be human. He thinks he's a freak. 
Yeah, he, he's also Opportunia's favorite nephew, so, you know, there's also that, too. <laughs> right, and the way people tend to write these characters, like Reed Richards, it's like, he's always squirreled away, you know, like, like just working on his machines, so he neglects his family. You know, mm-hmm. Johnny, Johnny Storm is this, like, immature 20-year-old who's, like, big... The word didn't exist then, but now we do have, like, the, the bro, the broliest guy ever. <laughs> You know, just going. All he does is go to clubs and hit on women and fly around, do the human torch thing. And Steve right. Storm is like the one sane person holding it together, like a mom usually is. Um, but with this, like this arc, I actually care. Like, there's actually a character arc to Reed Richards. You know, is that him exploring? Because the thing about it, this is a recurring thing throughout the entire run, is that his his arcs about Reed Richards. It's like, how do you solve everything? Right, Reed Richards is the scientist who needs to figure out how to solve all the problems in the world, literally, right? Yeah. And he comes across this, he built a machine that lets him, like, contact all these multi-universal Reed Richards, only to find out that, like, as you can see in the book, that, like, this, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Phil, Reed Richards about his family is a douchebag. That's kind of what we see with the Council of Reeds. Like, they are, they are just, like, they're so removed uh, they're so distant from, like, normal morality. They have no anchor to anything human that they kind of just... They're all about the greater good. Um, and something we see in the very beginning here, that's another recurring thing I thought was interesting, is that Nathaniel Richards, Reed Richards' father, shows up a lot. Mm-hmm. And then literally, cause he, like, a version of him will show up later on in... in the book, but something that like really struck me is like, and this is how you know it's very different from Hickman. It's like it opens with him, right? It's a flashback of young Reed playing with his dad, but he's too afraid. Was it is he's too afraid to jump down for something? Uh, yeah, so it was the because uh, Nathaniel is like he was in the future, it's like, what he was in the future, which kind of makes me think of like the shield stuff, but shields came out after this run. Um, he is essentially trying to prevent whatever is happening in the future happening in the present. Uh, so he he comes back to like you know give like dad words of wisdoms through like uh, cryptic messages, not cryptic messages, but like cryptic anecdotes. Yeah, and yeah. So- and, and it opens with that, but it's also like surprisingly very heartwarming for Hickman and a heartwarming way to grip through this fantastical. No pun intended. This fantastical story about, you know, super scientists, superheroes. It opens with young Reed Richards. You know, he has to jump down from his treehouse. And mm-hmm. he's too afraid. You know, it's like, I'll catch you. But like, I'm too afraid. And he gives him, you know, this piece of fatherly advice. It's okay to fail, but to not even try. That's right. unacceptable. Mm. And that's kind of... And, you know, it ends with him, like, being willing to jump down from the treehouse into his dad's arms. And that's kind of, like, the thing... A recurring thing you see with... This first arc, but throughout the whole story, that, like, Reed Richards is trying to come up with solutions to all these problems, and he's not... And something he instills, I think, a little bit with him and his children, that, like, it's... He's not afraid of failing. You know, he just wouldn't try whatever crazy idea it is in order to solve all these problems. Uh, whether it's, like, you know, family trouble like that, or something I really like later on is when Galactus shows up. <laughs> It's like, yo, why is there a dead Galactus buried <laughs> underground? And it's like, okay, it's not like he's going to devour my planet 
you know, what am I going to do to, to, and what am I going to do to, like, get rid of him? And what's mm-hmm. kind of cool is that it's not the usual, like, Marvel thing, like, let's have all the superheroes team up in battle, is that, like, I'm going to take you to, like, the, to give you the answers, and they actually have, like, uh, somewhat intimate conversation, which I thought was really kind of cool, but funny, considering it's mm-hmm. Galactus. Um, I don't know, is there any other, like, uh, and then another thing we hear to hear, right, this is, like, Hickman, the Fantastic Four is, like, a family, it's a heart, right? So the future foundation, and what the book becomes, is that he establishes, uh, basically, like, a school, I guess you could call it a school. I wouldn't call it, no, I wouldn't call it a school, it's more like a, a think tank, if you will. Yeah, there we go, a think tank of, like, he's all these, like, super smart, uh, kids and outcasts. You know, they include his kids. They include like the clone of the of the wizard. The clone of the wizard, right? Uh, Bentley twenty three. Bentley twenty three. You know, Dragon uh, Man, Android Dragon which, Man, which I think is a leftover from Mark Millar's run, which preceded this. Yes, I think so. Yeah, there's a lot uh, of. If there's one downside to Hickman's Fantastic Four, it's that you need to have read the previous writer's run. Kind of just just for like certain characters because like why is Dragon Man there? It's yeah, like what? Like, like where did where did Bentley come from? Or yeah, it's like what is this new Earth? Why are they talking to like the smart Hulk and this like you know other creatures? Right. Um, but uh, and then also uh, Alex from Power Pack, he's also a part of the the foundation as well. Okay, I know I know who that was. So yeah, he's Power Pack. You never read Power Pack, man? Bunch of bunch of little kids uh, with superpowers being heroes. Well, I got I always got confused with the Wild Pack and then the Six Pack, which is like a cable thing, a Rob Liefeld thing. That's a, definitely a Rob Liefeld thing. Yeah, but like he, he's not just establishing this think tank just to come up with science stuff, but he's also mm-hmm. taking in like people who don't have homes elsewhere, right? right. Like like Bentley, right? He's a rejected clone because he actually has morals, you know. Uh, like the Moloid people who are outcasts from the field because they're intelligent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of this type of thing in Hickman's Fantastic Four where, like, he really, eventually is about the big science. He's also kind of a softy. That it's much about, like, here's a family of, of good people okay. and we're going to take in, like, other people who have been abused and neglected and otherwise outcasts. So, uh, Phil... So there's, um, even though this is a Marvel work, right, there's still kind of, Hickman still has a lot of his, uh, his visual motifs, a lot of his, like, visual mannerisms show up. Like, we see charts. They're not to the degree, not to the great extent like he does in his other works, but they show up. Like, Fantastic FF, they have charts. Uh, there's, like, the little column list, number list of who all the members are. Uh, Fantastic Four, there were, like, so the arcs end with summaries of all texts saying what happened next. How did you how did you feel about them, Phil, seeing him in, the, in this in this title? Uh, the I mean, <clears throat> this was not out of the realm of normality because it was like I knew what to expect. Um, but also at the same time, it was kind of kind of nice to have that because I did not know or at least remember some of these characters that show up in uh, FF. Like I was like, who the hell's Diablo? And um, yeah, I really don't know who that character was. <laughs> when I saw him, I thought like, is that Batroc? <laughs> right. And then there's um the the Mad Thinker, and um and well, I also did not know who that was. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, like why Spider Man talking to this homeless guy? Um, 
<laughs> so yeah, those were like those were like the parts that had to, like confused me. But um, it I mean it, it was cool though. It was cool because like it gave information because like again, um, with these comic volumes, you don't really have like oh yeah, you got to read issue one and then. You know, read all the way to 500 or something. It's like, no, you can start off with, you know, different artists. I mean, different writers runs, which I think makes it uh, much easier to do. So, um, but did you like, did you like in the first few volumes of Fantastic Four? Like he adds like the arcs of a summary of what happens next, which is text. One page of text. I know you hated that in Fox Romana. So. I did. Yes. And I mean, here it... I still wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I feel like with this now, especially because somebody else is drawing, it's much more easy to follow the narrative that's happening rather than like, you know, this bombastic use of color and negative space and, and, you know, other things on top of it. It, it just, it, it didn't really need it, but I guess, you know, he wanted to do his little Hickman flair. Yeah. So I feel like in this title, they're, like, you brought up with Secret Warriors, right? Because it's like an espionage book, and it's like Nick Fury ostensibly has, like, archives of files, dossiers, and everyone. Like, that kind of, like, Hickman chart, Hickman visual flares, Hickman webs, Hickman infographics work well with that book. Right. Here, I thought, like, they don't work as well. They don't. They serve less of a story purpose with Fantastic Four. They're there just because that's what Hickman likes. Mm. You know, that's just the thing he's into. Um, I really actually, you know, as much as I'm a writer and, you know, I'm a little more forgiving of, like, writer-heavy stuff, I did not actually like the story summaries. <laughs> At the end of those, like, oh, yeah, you know, a couple hours later, Hick- Ben Grimm get- get- went back to normal with the Molai radiation. <laughs> or, you know... They they settled the the Atlantean the Atlanteans they settled they tried to reach Namor Namor kind of reached for comment I thought that was like firstly those were kind of lame ways to to end a chapter or an issue <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time maybe maybe you you skip through the entire uh, book because you got tired of reading pictures with words and you wanted like I just want my prose. Honest- Honestly, I think it was just a way to save time for the artists to like, meet a monthly schedule. Oh gosh! So, uh, but yeah, I don't. The other, any other like nice little character moments you like? Because uh, I'm assuming you're also like me. You, you don't really care. You didn't really care about Fantastic Four's character. I man, I did not care. Like again, like the only character I ever cared about was the Thing, and that was because he started his own like professional wrestling group. Um. But yeah, everyone else I didn't, I, I never cared for. I think my only thing with the Fantastic Four was the cartoon back in the early two thousand and nineties on uh, UPN, and uh, what was the other one? The an- anime, if you will, that was on Cartoon Network. The uh, by what is that? Moon Moonscope. I don't even remember a Fantastic Four anime. Yeah, it was like it was like anime or anime s or like or like yeah, like anime s. Um, no, I barely remember that. Yeah. Not much. So I, I had read a little bit of Fantastic Four beforehand. I read Mark Millar's run, mm-hmm. which was actually pretty good, but that was, like, funny enough, like, he was, he was like, more about the big science and less about the characters. Because, mm. like, you know, Mark Millar is, like, you know, he's the widescreen comics guy. He was more about, like, cool, coolness. You know, here's a crazy idea. Here's a crazy idea of that. 
he wasn't really like the sentimental Fantastic Four writer, like like Hickman turned out to be surprisingly. I read Ultimate Fantastic Four, which was okay. Well, also, right. but that was also written by Hick- uh, uh, Malar. He started it, but I think someone else took it over mm. later down the line. Um, it went through a, different, a bunch of different writers. Mm. Uh, the the Fantastic I've read Grant Morrison's Fantastic Four, which is very cool, but it's, it's not like it's more about like Shakespearean tragedy because it's Jay Lee. It's very atmospheric. It's not like it's not like you know the Hart family Fantastic Four. It's like you know weird weird stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fantastic Four book I really like was the Marvel Knights run okay. by uh, um, Jay Rob. I think his name Jay the guy who does Riverdale, like. Like and and uh, Jay Robert Trey Agira something. No, I, I can't remember his name. No but idea. like this, like like he's done a bunch of comics. He also works on Riverdale and a bunch of books. But he actually a really good run on Fantastic Four because it was the premise was like it, it was like uh <laughs> like he got Bert, he got Bernie Madoff like their accountant took all their money. Oh my goodness. And so they were like back. They had to get regular jobs and back on the street. <laughs> and they lost. They lost the Baxter Building. They lost, you know, all the all the money. It was actually cool because, like, because of that, they like you had to really see them like on the ground and really see the heart of these characters. Like Sue Storm has to be a teacher, right? Ben Grimm gets construction job. Uh, Fantastic Four. Uh, Reed Richards gets like a regular, comes like kind of like office job, and he's like. You know, they, they can't do this the superhero science thing, but they can still help people in more mundane ways. <laughs> right? You know, like... Um, that actually sounds very clever, actually. And what I like the most is that this is the only time a, a writer has ever done anything interesting with Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. Is that he actually has to grow as a character so that he gives up trying to be the celebrity, the shallow celebrity hot club life. Mm-hmm. And he uh, trains to become a firefighter. Ah... Which every writer has ignored since then to just be like dumbass hot <laughs> club movie star dating Human Torch. Uh. But yeah, this is like the first like Hickman came out. It's like the first time I actually enjoyed reading Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. He had, I think, he found the right balance of like big crazy science, but like we just said, like there's heart and there's cool character dynamics. And funny enough, when we get to, like, when Spider-Man comes aboard, he can actually write funny dialogue and, and funny quips when he wants to. Right. I mean, which is, which is interesting, because, I mean, like, once you leave Fantastic Four and transition to the uh, to FF, right, that's where you really start to see it. Because, I mean, the beginning of FF, like, everyone is still dealing with Johnny's death. And ben grimm is of course taking it the hardest because he had to essentially watch johnny die while he's protecting uh valeria and and franklin um and on top of that like that was the moment where the brief week and this is the conceit hickman comes up with like the the first thing the ff come up with is that he they come up with a way for him to be human for about a week and then but the thing ben, ben was like not the thing so he didn't have his powers to help johnny storm so i think that also factored in as a skill Right, so because it's like, yo, like I'm just a man. What am I? What can I do? Yeah, but that also like the the go on that first. Like that was actually a very like touching story too that Hickman wrote. Is that like Ben Graham is human for a week? So like here he like he t- he he does all these things like a regular guy can do that he's never been able to. Like he goes to a ball game, right? He has dinner with friends. He plays poker with his superhero buddies, which. <laughs> 
I don't understand why you couldn't do that as the thing, but whatever. And um, then, you know, the most touching thing is that, you know, he actually gets to spend the night, like, being physically intimate with uh, his girlfriend. With, oh, yeah. Masters. Yeah, so, like, yeah, Hickman, like, when he wants to, he can, be, he can write, like, really heartwarming moments. But then, like, yeah, the, wait, sorry, so, it, like, yeah, when Spider-Man jumps on board, Spider-Man is, like, completely not the type of character Hickman writes. Because, you know, he's jokey and quippy, but he actually does a pretty good job with it. Yes, he does. And, um, you know, I think the big thing that people always forget about Spider-Man is that he is a scientist. So, like, to hear, you know, Spider-Man talk in terms of, like, whatever pseudoscience that they're working on, on top of the quips, like, I feel like is, like, a great blending of the two. Yeah, yeah, it was like, uh, it, was, it actually, it's addition that kind of made sense, I mean, on top of the fact that I'm sure it is to boost sales, right, because Spider-Man is Marvel's most popular character. That's true. <laughs> but it actually did make sense. Uh, and, you know, if anyone has written those Fantastic Four, he had, does have a long history with them, association. Uh, let's talk about visually. We haven't talked about the art yet. Uh, it really shines with FF because they redesigned the, the costumes. Mm. Uh, Phil, why don't you speak to them? Because I love the FF costume, personally. Yes, I, I, I love them as well. So with the, I mean, the Fantastic Four, right, the original design of their costume by Jack Kirby... Super, super simple, but like highly iconic, right? The blue, yeah. uh, with the the light, the I shouldn't even say light blue, the the regular blue, with the navy blue belt and gloves and uh, boots, with the iconic four symbol on their chest, right? Um, yeah. because Johnny is dead, they transition to a new look, right? Because they feel like the world has become much more black and white. So they transitioned to these new suits where uh, it sports a new logo, which is a, uh, what is it, three hexagons. Uh, two of them are black, one of them is white, uh, while like little ornaments or I guess, what, what do people call them now? Because we tend to see them a lot in uh, superhero comics, particularly like uh, New 52, um, like the little cut-in lines or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like there's like these like geometric lines right right so so we have that on there as well and i think this was this was well before new 52 because i believe fantastic four came out uh this was 20 2010 09 2010 it's 2010 around that somewhere somewhere around there right so this is this was way before new 52 so this was like still and it's still new which i thought was like very uniquely designed um, which we see through uh, Ben Grimm wearing pants and he has Tim's on because one of my favorite, <laughs> favorite scenes is like you get to see the the the, uh, the bottom of his soul of his boots and um, the artist uh, uh, Dave Eagle Dave Eagle Eagle Smith Eagle Eagles whatever his name is um, he draws the detail under the boots and you can clearly tell the threads like yeah these are workman boots. Ben Grimm is running around in Tim's. Um, Sue Storm, hers is, of course, different from uh, <clears throat> Richard's, where it's much more uh, white than having, like, the black accents um, in order to, like, use this, the, her invisibility. And then, of course, Spider-Man. I mean, I feel like any outfit Spider-Man puts on is, is bloody awesome. Yeah, it's just really... It, 
it's just really good use of like black and white and, and making it work together. Um, it's also, I think it's a Hickman thing, as we talked about before. Like he likes having characters visually. It's like just like stark contrast of black and white together, mm. or like all white and black. Or and we see it, I think, at its, its forefront in uh, uh, Avengers, with, like character Black Swan, who's like <laughs> all white skin and like black, something like that. But yeah, this is where. It, it, it actually works really well because it's like it's futuristic at the same time and the Fantastic Four you know just who they are like it makes sense they would have something that looks really cutting edge and futuristic compared to other superheroes right like it feels but yeah there's enough there's enough like of the superhero core to make it feel like it feels like a Hickman design even though I'm don't I'm sure he had input, but I, I, he didn't. I don't think he actually designed it. Yeah, no, I don't think was, so either. I think it was. I tried. I tried to look up who was the artist that came up with it, but I can't find it. Yeah, they don't really showcase those things because, like, usually it's like it could be somebody else who designs the outfits, and then whoever's on the book draws it. I think Marvel has become a lot more, uh, more open to it because I know um, what's his name, uh, Russell Donterman. Uh, the artist on the Mighty Thor, he designed a lot of the X Men costumes that we see in uh, Hickman's X Men. So, but he doesn't. But he doesn't work on the X Men books. No, he doesn't work on the X Men books. Okay, yeah, I, I I think manga does that a lot too, right? I noticed that, like at least with like Mecha, like they will often have like very specific like Mecha designers or vehicle designers. Yes. So yeah, there was a. Uh... Although, I don't, I feel like the, I could be wrong, but I think the case was, it was, like, maybe Steve Epling, or whoever was, the, like, the first artist on on FF or Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it was probably one of the artists he was working closely with that came up with the F, the, the Future Foundation costume design. But yeah, it was, it was a really just, like, really cool, cool mark of this era, and I think really solidifies like his run of like this is the Fantastic Four, a crazy super science, right? Especially like when the Call of Negative Zones are showing up and they're basically bad guys with Hickman's logo on it. And in the later development, big spoiler surprise, uh, Johnny Storm comes back because as it turns out, he was revived several times by Nihilus on the other side. Yes. And he helps lead a like a, a rebellion because the light brigade which like i don't know why they it's like the, these these like inhuman war like the warriors of like the five inhuman species they like go off to fight some battle at the very beginning and this is where they finally come back it's like oh that's why they're in the story yeah like the negative zone is so weird to me because like some time i mean because some parts of it is like oh yeah you know this is like an alternate dimension right because like we're in the positive side this is like the negative side but then other parts is like just on the other side of the universe so you, you can like fly a spaceship into there because i mean that's what they did in guardians right when they did the when um 42 was having a breakout I don't know. I I lose. I always lose track of like how many different alternate dimensions, and realities, and multiverses, <laughs> and etc. are kept in 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 any kind of like fantastic speculative fiction property. Like like Marvel alone, right? There's the negative zone. Right. There's uh no. Let's do DC. DC is a better better way to do it. There's you know there's a bunch of different Earths, yes. right? But there's also like the bleed, right? Whatever that is between the Earths. Mm-hmm. There's a dark universe, <laughs> you know? 
Yes. <laughs> whatever. There's a, whatever a dark multiverse. Not even just dark universe. A yeah. dark, a dark. There's a dark multiverse. Yes. There's an anti-matter universe. Yes. Which I don't understand how that fits in with the dark multiverse. Yeah. Uh, and the multiverse. There's, uh, the, there's the the source wall, which is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? There's like, on top of that, you have whatever, how many alternate timelines and all that stuff. And then Marvel, right? We got Negative Zone. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Cancerverse. Yeah. We got, uh, we got uh, you know, again, different Earths, different timelines. Uh, you know, I... I Asgard. I, I, as, there's, the yeah, Quantum the Nine Realm. Realms. How, the Nine Realms, the Quantum Realm. However... Like all these things that don't really make sense. I'm sure there's a book somewhere, you know. Then you got like then you had magic on top of that, right? Kulun, and you got seven cities, and they all phase in and out. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. you got like whatever Doctor Strange, like whatever crazy dimensions Doctor Strange goes through, right? Yeah, that's true. Like you know, like it's called the multiverse of madness for a reason. Okay. Um, and on that note, on, on magic, there's one last thing I want to make sure we cover before. You know, we we wrap up our Fantastic Four discussion, which is, I think this is, I mean, we see Hickman t- cover villains in Shield, but this is like now he gets his hands on like probably the most iconic villain in the Marvel universe, which is Doctor. Yes. And and this is something we're gonna see later on, right? I think Hickman is at his best when he writes villains, mm. because it's like it, it's closest to how he writes his characters in his creator own books. <laughs> And, you know, like we just talked about, right? Like, Hickman, he doesn't really write dialogue as he is, like, characters are giving declarations, mm-hmm. right? But I think that works so well for Doctor Doom. Right. Uh, and I really I really just like the way he does Doom in, in this book. So, I don't know. What you're, what you're I don't know. It was kind of weird because, like, again, reading him in, in FF within the first, the first volume... Because uh, he comes in neutered essentially, right? Because uh, like he's missing part of his brain power. Yeah, for something that happened. There's some I don't know what comic that happened in. Yeah, <laughs> and then now, okay, so they successful. No, I think that was uh, what God, of all things it was like the Red Hulk storyline. Red Hulk storyline. Because he's fighting an enemy called the Intelligentsia, uh-huh. and I think they they get like the smartest people. One of the things they do they get all the smartest people in the world. Which include Doctor Doom and Richards that like tries. To oh, steal, steal the it. intelligence. Oh, yeah, I think that's where that's from. Which is, huh? Anyways, so kudos, kudos to Hickman for like fixing that mess <laughs> with Doctor <laughs> with Doctor Doom. Right, but then now you have these like Reed Richards that like yo they every time they meet a Von Doom they slaughter him or they turn him into a vegetable and yeah it's like oh man like Doom goes out like that like damn. Well, I'm like yeah, someone constant, which I like, and then you know there is a there is a, a one of the Reed Richards has like mixed some Doctor Doom in him, like his DNA in him. Yes, but it's also the thing I really love, and this is a very Hickman concept, right? Very kind of high concept that only exists in the Fantastic Four. That type of world is that he gets all these all the villains, all the arch enemies of the Fantastic Four. His daughter assembles them. And like, when the, like, let's come up with brainstorm. How do we beat Reed Richards? <laughs> but, and it's, it's kind of like the big cliffhanger thing left to the reader. It's like, what? Why does she want to have him be her dad? Is she going to be bad? Like, oh, then the next issue is like, oh, she meant beating the other Reed Richards. Right. Which, I mean, to be fair, I always thought Valeria was going to turn into a, a villain anyways. 
I'd mention this, but uh, Doctor Doom is actually my favorite Marvel villain. Oh, really? Yes, mainly because he talk, mainly because he talks to the person. <laughs> Doom will not submit. Yeah, that's part of why he's my. I mean, he's my favorite. But he's also, I think, I think you could tell every writer just has fun writing that character. Yeah, because he's so silly. He's so pompous <laughs> and arrogant. You know, but he's so over the top, and it makes so much sense with his character. Right. So. Yeah. No. That that definitely makes sense. So yeah, um, I don't know. Any any final thoughts? There you go. Fantastic Four, great run. Hickman's probably arguably the best run of anyone on Fantastic Four, to be honest. I mean, yeah, yeah, I would I would agree, but then again, like I haven't read any Fantastic Four like that, so I guess I would have to read uh, James Robinson's run because he took because he took over Fantastic Four after uh, after Hickman. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely, this is something I should have definitely liked to ask Ken, because he read a bunch of uh, The Colors in our webcomic, uh, which is available, available, episode two, available right now. Shame with <laughs> plug uh, He told me he read a bunch of John Byrne 80s Fantastic Four. Mm. Um, so be kind of curious, but like, yeah, I personally think this is the best Fantastic Four that exists, so, you know. So yeah, I don't know. Any, other, any other final thoughts? Uh, you know, I think this. I feel like they need to do like another Illuminati book with just like, but just like all the smart people, because uh, like Star, Pym, uh, Banner, Reed. Uh, I I guess Strange is it's, it's Strange up there in terms of intelligence like that. Well, he has a doctor. I mean, yeah, but like it's a medical doctor. <laughs> He's not like a hey. How many doctors in how many superheroes with doctor in the name actually have doctorates? Eh? Doctor Strange, alright. Doctor Fate, I'm pretty sure doesn't have a doctor. <laughs> doctor Doom definitely Doctor has no degree. He has like varying degrees. <laughs> uh, I think on that note, let's let's end it there. I'm Eric Walk. And I'm Phil Fleming. And uh, this is, uh, I want to say, dang, I kind of want to use movies too. But, I mean, I guess we got to stick with shows, right? Uh, so whatever. That, do, do what you feel. Do what I do what I feel? All right. So then this would be, um, uh, do you remember this show on the WBs, like in the same vein as like Hercules and Xena? It's like Jen, uh Roddenberry. Uh, Earth, Final, Earth Final Conflict? Yes. Don't, don't even get me started on that show. <laughs> As a, man, any, any, like, anyone knows Star Trek can tell you so many things went wrong with that show. Yes. So, yes, we are Earth Final Conflict. <laughs>